Greetings, everyone. It is now time for Marked Safe, tales of your very favorite and most beloved man-made disasters. On Marked Safe, we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly. And now, here with your hosts, Brianne and Melanie, this is Marked Safe. Hey! Hi. Hi. Welcome back. How are you doing? Uh, fine. I have a situation in my attic, but other than that, I'm fine. Uh, how are you? No, no, no. It doesn't matter how I am. <laughs> what attic situation do you have? Okay, so our bedroom is an attic bedroom. It's actually really cool. But it has two doors that lead to the super unfinished attic. And they are creepy as shit. And they're like waist high on opposite sides of the little anteroom when you first get up here. Right. And one of them doesn't latch super well. And I had this little uh, gold end table in front of it. Kind of holding it shut. And we, my husband and I, noticed a funky smell up here a couple weeks ago and searched everywhere for it. Could not find anything. What kind of funky, like and, a dead animal funky smell I mean, or I, somebody I, living in your attic funky smell? Somebody nasty living in my attic, I guess. So, I, I don't know. I I obviously blamed it on my children. That's that's my go-to. Same. I figured, yeah, <laughs> I, I figured they'd... I don't know, stuffed a banana down the vent or something, God knows. And I kind of gave up after looking for the smell for like over a week. I'm like, well, whatever it is, it's it's going to eventually return to God and stop smelling. But it didn't. And then my husband came upstairs and realized that the little end table thing that I had in front of the attic door, because it doesn't latch completely correctly. Right was moved first of all the attic door was cracked second of all yep and nope. third of all uh-huh. <laughs> I'm oh, out. it gets worse it gets worse you're not out you're here third of all on top of the table was a perfectly positioned dead mouse in the middle there's your smell okay how to so, get there well first of all i wait, don't know because it wasn't there before i don't i mean i guess we could have not looked there i i don't know I can't confirm that we had definitely looked there, but it seems likely. I don't know. But it was I don't know how it got up there because if you look at this thing, there there's not even a logical way that a mouse could get on top of it. I don't know. It's all smooth. So I don't know how it got up there, but it got up there and it got dead and it got laid out like a little sacrificial mouse in the middle of this thing and it is upsetting. Oh, wait, wait. Do you have a ghost cat? Holy shit, we do have a ghost cat. Okay, I've got a ghost cat story. Oh, fuck. Okay, let me tell you a ghost cat story. I love it. <laughs> so when we first moved here, there was a, you know, the windows in a basement that are like at the very top of the basement. Right. That you can see like at the at the foundation of the house from the outside. There was a window around the back like hidden in a bush that had this very it had a broken spot 
And we just moved here and we hadn't gotten around to fixing. And it was pretty hidden from the street and everything anyway. So I wasn't that worried about it. I listened to enough true crime. I should have been worried about it. But yeah, I'm I'm actually really surprised. (laughs) I know. I know. We had a lot going on when we no, moved I, here. I know, I know. That's that's another story for another day. So we hadn't fixed it. And one day, it was late at night. The kids were asleep. Uh, my husband and I were doing something, watching TV or something in the living room. And we heard a cat loudly meowing. And we're like, oh, that's weird. There's a cat outside. We've not seen many strays in this neighborhood at all. And the more we listened to it, the more it sounded like it was in the basement. So we went and checked, and lo and behold, there's this fat-ass cat in the basement. And it was freezing. I mean, it was was bitterly cold that night. And apparently it, I I assume, had come in through this broken window. I don't know where the hell else it could have come in through. And so I'm, it's the middle of the night, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to send this cat back out into the cold to freeze to death it was like i think the wind chill was negative 10 you're not a monster no i'm not i'm not a cat person but i'm not a monster so i found something like a can of tuna or something to give it and gave it a snack in the basement and some water and uh put something soft down there for it to lay on and i said in the morning if it's still there and i mean it has to still be there. It's it's not going to scale <laughs> from the floor to this this literally on the ceiling almost window. So I'm like, well, in the morning, you know, we'll check this cat. We'll see how it does. Because it was super friendly. It was this big, fat female cat just purring up a storm. Super nice cat rubbing it up against my legs. And like I said, I'm not a cat person, but I mean, it was a nice cat. Doing the cute so like, cat stuff, not the yeah, asshole cat I mean, stuff. It, no, this, this is a nice kitty. So I said, all right, if it's here in the morning, you know, we'll come down and check it out, which again, it has to be there. We'll come down, check it out, see if it still seems nice or if it's, you know, desperate to leave or if it doesn't want to leave. And I don't know, maybe it can stay. We'll see. So we go down there in the morning and I'm like get the kids because we're going to take them in the basement and we're going to we're going to totally freak them out and they realize there's a cat in the basement oh no i so feel like this I, is not gonna end well so <laughs> so first i go down there to make sure that the cat hasn't you know done anything horrific or you know if it had like done something horrific like shit absolutely everywhere or something then the kids don't need to see it in that direction because what if they get their hopes up about keeping it and it turns out this cat's a dick and it's not going to happen so i went downstairs to evaluate the situation no cat oh no have you been in a basement with these windows yeah there's there's no getting out it it, i would say that they have to be at least seven feet off the ground minimum and there was nothing remotely close for this cat to get onto there was nothing and i mean not only that but it was a broken window so it was jagged you know if it was just walking in from a level space maybe it could squeeze through and not hurt itself but there would be jumping seven feet up it's gonna cut itself yeah there's absolutely no foothold anywhere nothing this cat was gone it it that was that you have a ghost cat ghost cat just now you have a ghost mouse and we, <laughs> well, we might have two because there's another weird smell. Oh. And we had 
I mean, we explored, we went around the basement, we explored every imaginable explanation for how this cat could have disappeared. It's easy to figure out how it could have gotten in, but how in God's name did it disappear? We never, ever figured out anything. So ever since we've talked about the ghost cat and you just asked if we have a ghost cat and holy shit, now that you mention it, we do. (laughs) Aww. Well, I'm glad that ghost cat actually has like something to play with now yeah i mean it's it's bringing something to the table from beyond the grave pest control (laughs) although is it really pest control if i was never aware of that mouse in the first place and now there's a weird smell upstairs it's kind of rude your ghost kitty is rude i'm not feeding her any more ghost tuna no she's such a cliche (laughs) so what story do you have for me tonight All right. This one is a doozy for sure. Um, I am going to do the collapse of the Hard Rock Hotel here in New Orleans. Um, I have never even heard of that other than what you have very briefly told me. And we're doing two collapses in a row. We're off to a great start. Yeah. So um, this is actually very, very recent. Um, I moved with my family to Louisiana about a year ago, so I'm definitely not the authority on Louisiana culture, but we're learning and we love it here. It's amazing. And uh, this disaster actually happened um, several months after we had moved here and I have just been uh, just stuck with it. Like I follow it. I'm intrigued by it. It's messy. There's so many layers. I just cannot wait to share it with you. Well, get me intrigued by it. Tell me your tale. All right. So I got a lot of information from NOLA.com, AP News, the old YouTube and Wikipedia. And uh, there's also a great Facebook group called uh, Justice for the Hard Rock Collapse. Um, Like I said, this gets super, super messy. So um, a couple years, there was an old uh, Woolworths store um it was a site to a lot of uh sit-ins definitely um huge and full of history so if you have a chance dig into it this story is so big um you know i didn't want to add more to it so anyways uh woolworths got uh demolished and it kind of just sat empty for a while and developers eventually announced partnership with the Hard Rock to turn the site into the future home of the Hard Rock Hotel, New Orleans. The plan maintained the already approved height, massing, and general design of the tower. And plans for the interior included 350 hotel rooms, 65 one to three bedroom units available for purchase, an upscale restaurant, 12,000 square feet of event space, in a 400 space parking garage. Wow. Yeah, it this thing's massive. Um I it took me it actually took me a long time to find um concept drawings or the artist rendering of it. Um it's pretty much wiped from Hard Rock's uh website. So it took me a, it is. Yeah, it took me a little bit digging. It's really it kind of sits on the outskirts of the French Quarter. Um Ooh. The actual design of the building super modern and doesn't really kind of fit the the ambience of the French Quarter. So there are a lot of people kind of pushing back on like the development in the first place. 
Yeah, as soon as you said super modern, I was like, mm, I've been to the French Quarter. I don't know about that. I love modern. I do um, in its own setting. But even, yes. even this building, I mean, I thought it was kind of ugly, to be honest. Yeah, we have a, a much smaller scale situation like that here. We've got this historic neighborhood in Indiana called Fountain Square, which it's always been this cool retro neighborhood, but it's gotten kind of crimey over the years and now they're gentrifying the hell out of it and it ha- it was on some um like hgtv show it has gotten safer and better but they've got these big just square modern like two million dollar houses which in indiana is like astronomical right and it, it looks ridiculous it doesn't match the neighborhood at all and i hate it it's sad anyway, it's so sad it is i hate it i wish that people would would pay attention to the where what you know everybody what just they're putting wants, where they just want the next best thing they don't think uh-huh. about anything else it's just it's frustrating yep. so on saturday october 12th 2019 it was probably around just after nine um During the construction, a partial collapse of the structure occurred on the side facing North Rampart Street. And it basically just sent this huge cloud of dust and debris over, like, several city blocks. It was intense. Oof. Wow. Um, There were three workers that were killed and over 30 other people injured. I mean, it was, it's bananas. Just, just, I promise, this is crazy. So when we say partial collapse, like, I don't know if you know, but roughly how much of the building are we talking about here? So it, I believe it's 18, 17 or 18 floors high at that point. Okay. Um, and it was like half the building just kind of, it like pancaked. Like one, it started from the top and it just, one root ceiling fell to the other, to the other, to the other. It was like a deck of cards. Oh my it gosh. crazy. Um, there Obviously, you know, it's 2019 in the state. Well, it's 2020 now, but in this day of age, everybody whips out their cell phone. Um, So immediately cell phone footage, um, it just starts showing up everywhere. When it was breaking news, the video that they showed was the oh God cell phone video that this guy took. And I literally have no idea how he got it because it he whipped his phone out like, to take he just noticed something off and he caught the whole hmm. thing so it's basically he's he's at a stoplight and you just see this you just see the building collapse you see i wonder what he'd noticed i would be so curious to know you'll have to watch the video i'll i'll make sure that we post it but you see the building start to collapse the two bright yellow cranes just are wavering and then a huge trunk of the building falls and crosses the whole street and it's just you see all these like neon dots of you know workers in their gear just racing to get out of the way and Mm. you know just crazy dust and debris uh there was actually another video um because we have trolleys here that go throughout the city um there's another one where a passenger in the trolley was actually got video while it's coming down and you see the trolley cables are like bending and breaking and people are screaming like move back move back and then it cuts and 
the outside video, I mean, it's just post-apocalyptic. It's all gray. People like have their trying to cover their faces with their shirts, running. I mean, it's just it's scary. It's like almost like you're there. Do you know were there people killed who weren't in the building, or was it only people, only people in, the in the building? Yeah, okay. we will definitely. I mean, there was a ton of people that were injured, and uh, okay, but yeah, there three people were killed. Um, really, really sad. So yeah, let's actually talk about those guys. All of them were workers for the construction site. There was uh, Quinion Wimberly. He was thirty-six year old. Uh, Jose Ponce Ariola, who was 63 years old, and then Anthony Magretta, who was 49. So Quinn Young Wimberly, um, he was a supervisor for the project, and uh, he was actually, I'm going to try not to cry right now. This is like really upsetting. Um, oh. He was actually on the phone with his fiance, Bianca Boone, and the, no. Yeah, and uh, they were planning a birthday party for his father. Oh, my God. Yeah. She said, uh, you know, she had told the news that um, there was a loud boom while she was talking to him. And she remembers Quinion saying, what was that? Because it was a construction site, she didn't think anything of, it, you know. Yeah. He wouldn't return. She kept calling and he wouldn't return the calls. Oh, yeah. I hate um, that. When she found out that the hotel had collapsed, uh, she said, at that point, I just knew in my heart he was gone. It's heartbreaking. You know, I, my husband's a helicopter pilot, so I tend to play out these worst case scenario things. And right. I just, something I, you really just, I, I can't imagine what she was feeling. No. You know? I'm- God, you know, she's never going to get that that sound no. and everything out of her head. You know, ever. he actually proposed to her the week prior to this, too. Yeah, it should have been oh a time God. where, you know, they were happy and celebrating. And it's just, you know, within minutes, it's it's all gone. It's all gone. He, uh, he was actually not so, so supposed to work that day. Um. But he uh, he showed up on that Saturday morning anyways to make some extra money, which is. That, yeah, that just gets that worse and worse. How that happens. Yeah. So um, on to Jose Ponce Ariola. He was 63 years old. Uh, he was working on the top floor of the hotel alongside a friend uh, when the collapse occur- occurred. Um, according to the Mexico's consulate in New Orleans, um, they said the friend managed to avoid falling by grabbing some cables, but Jose tumbled down a precipice with a mound of debris falling behind him. I just, it breaks my heart. Uh, Jose was actually set to retire at the end of the year. His niece, Karen Martinez uh, Puente, said that he had hoped to live out the rest of his days surrounded by his family in Mexico and doing the things that he loved most. Um, and this guy, I just... I want to be as like, he would be my friend Um, because he just, he things that he loved most, including feasting on pork carnitas, knocking back Victoria (laughs) beers and cheering on Las Chivas, his favorite soccer team. Like that sounds like, sounds pretty chill. The ultimate, you know, way to have your retirement. 
Um, but unfortunately, tragically, um, he did not. So both. Okay, this is super messed up. So Quinon and Jose, both of their rom- their remains are still in that building. Still? Yeah. So we're in what? May 2020. This happened October 2019. And their remains have not. Shut up. Yet. Why? We will get to that. So, yeah, it's been over seven months. And, yeah, they're, they haven't. Oh my God. I'm telling you, this story is super messy. So the third fatality is uh, Anthony Begretta. He was 49. Um, He was actually found on the seventh floor of the collapsed building. Um, His wife, there's, there's tons of, she was on a lot of the broadcast when they were doing rescues, search and rescue. Um, and I mean, it's just heartbreaking. But his wife, Nova Espinoza, she had dropped her husband off at work early that Saturday morning, but he also was not scheduled to work. Oh my yeah. gosh. Um, Anthony's sister, Joanne Chester, said um, he had actually picked up the shift because of an incident the night before um, when he was walking back from the store. Two guys jumped him, took his money, and took off. So he essentially like picked up the shift to make that back. It's just I hate everything about this. It's uh it just knots my stomach. Why do people do stuff like that? It's just Mhm. It's a it's a and ripple I, effect. I hope they know. I hope they heard that in the news and know what their role was in this. You know, it's just your actions, you know, effectively cost this man his life. Uh-huh. It's, it angers me. It's a ripple effect. Yeah. So he he was lost. That he wasn't identified in, in for quite a while. Um, they knew. They you know his wife knew. And so Nova, she basically waited next to the site, vowing that like she she you know there's a pretty famous quote where she's like, no matter how long it takes, I will wait for him forever. Oh my god. Yeah. And then you know like the mayor, the fire chief, you know they're like. You know, we believe he's alive. Like, we will get him out. But oh, wow. unfortunately, he, he didn't make it. Um, he was in there. He wasn't recovered for, it was like over 30 hours. Uh, so some so some people have been recovered, but others are still in there? Um, everyone has been recovered, except for um, Quinon and Jose. They're, okay. they're still in there. So that's the collapse. It's, it's crazy. And... You know, the whole city is just reeling from this. It doesn't take long for warning signs, like people finding out that there were actual warning signs that this was probably going to happen. Really? Yeah. So after the collapse, a slew of accusations about uh, early warning signs of potential outcome immediately came to surface. One worker, he remained nameless uh, because he was... Basically, he was afraid that he wouldn't be able to get another job if he was like slandering what it was. But he basically had uh, told a news outlet that although the hotel was set to open May of 2020 this month, that and I'm going to just quote him on this. It was after they had a meeting in the office and they said they wanted to have the floor open for Mardi Gras. They wanted part of the hotel open for Mardi Gras. So it was a rush thing then. Yeah, they were rushing. 
I started taking days off because I felt it was unsafe. So they are like trying to push it up a couple months because Mardi Gras is just such a, I mean, it's the biggest thing here. Oh, yeah. Um, so the news agency, through public records requests, obtained concrete testing documents. So remember I said like it was like a deck of cards where like just one floor on top of another on top of another. Yeah, I'm actually looking at a picture of it right now. It's bananas, right? Oh, yeah. It's so sad. So they said um, in the analysis of the dates on the document showed that the hotel's first eight floors on average were about 35 uh, 35 days between each floor being poured with concrete. So they waited between 35 days between each floor. Then the documents showed a faster pace with the project's top eight floors with an average of 21 days before each floor being poured. Two floors were done less than 20 days between one another. So there's documents showing that they clearly are picking up speed on this job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Time will tell of cutting corners. Also, back to cell phone footage, there was a video that made its rounds on social media. It was shot by a worker who was nameless as well, but he shared it with a local contractor friend named uh, Randy Jaspard on Facebook. He shared it three days after the collapse. And uh, it basically was showing the concrete slab above an upper level of the hard rock. rock. It was sagging to the point where it was bending the temporary post that was holding it oh. up um, or shoring jacks or what they called. But I'm not in construction. So post, <laughs> their post, and they were bending because the floor was too heavy. And so basically what they do, they're temporary post. And when everything's set, I guess they like they go and they take them, they take them off. And uh, in the video, I mean, it's creepy. It's it's very distorted, um, but you can clearly see that there are some issues. But the worker says, look how it's bent already. They couldn't remove it because it's too bent and it has too much pressure. The huge spaces without beams. Look what a very shit structure these architects and engineers are building wow yeah so there's there's a full on i'll have to i'll upload it and it is way too much to go into um but osha found major serious violations i mean the document is i can't even wrap my head around but a lot of people fucked up and made a lot of mistakes a lot i hope a lot of people get sued yeah it's happening so this is actually really messed up. So along with the warning signs, there are several workers that were very vocal about the unsafe and dangerous conditions. So one of them was this whistleblower named Delmar Joel Ramirez. And like I said, this is going to get so super messy. Border Patrol officers arrested Delmar Joel Maria, ah, sorry, uh, Delmar Joel Ramirez Palma two days after he fell several stories um, from the collapse from the upper floors of the hotel project. His lawyer said that he had emigrated from Honduras in 1999. He was not legally authorized to work in the United States, but he had spent nearly two decades in the construction business in New Orleans. He was married and he had a 10-year-old son. Um, The New York Times actually reported that federal immigration judge ordered his deportation in 2016 
but he was able to stay because he showed that his removal would be harm a United States citizen, which was his son. His latest application for an extension filed in August was denied the week before the partial collapse. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Ramirez's deportation came despite calls from immigration and workplace safety advocates to release him while federal authorities investigate the cause of the collapse. I mean, he's the whistleblower. They need to talk to him. And yeah. now they're trying to deport him. It's just super messed up. The New Orleans Worker Center for Racial Justice released. The, I'm going to read the statement for you. Delmar Joel Ramirez Palma's deportation leaves every one of us less safe. The next time a building collapses, we'll wonder if it could have been prevented if our federal agencies had prioritized answers and accountability for the survivors of the hard rock. We'll wonder if the same bad actors are to blame. And we'll wonder if potential whistleblowers kept in silence because they saw what happened to Joel. If there was any doubt, we now know we cannot look to the federal government to keep us safe from unscrupulous employers. ICE has long shown a willingness to sacrifice public safety on the altar of anti-immigrant animus. And we know now that OSHA is unwilling to stand up for its mission of protecting workers. This is shocking dereliction of federal government's responsibility for worker safety that should concern every American. Damn. It's, it's rough. That is scathing. Yeah. So the Times actually, they also reported that um, the Whistleblower and Retaliation Division of OSHA, which is an agency of the United States Department of Labor has opened an investigation based on evidence Mr. Ramirez Palma Palma shared. Retaliating against employees for claiming their rights under federal labor law is illegal, regardless of the worker's immigration status. Additionally, under a 2011 agreement between the Homeland Security Department and Labor, I should not arrest workers who are involved in disputes that are being investigated by the Labor Department. It's messy. So it this has actually happened. It happened in uh, Boston. There was um, a undocumented worker who that was working for a construction company that fell off a ladder and he broke his leg and OSHA was investigating. And while they were investigating, they found out that um, the construction company had called to try to get the employee deported. Oh, to wow. try to get out of responsibility. So it's that's some shit. It's very, very problematic. So months go by. It's really, it gets really quiet. You don't hear much. The remains haven't been recovered. So this happened in October, January 21st. This is like three months after the initial collapse of the hotel. Uh, we We get pretty crazy winds here sometimes. Yeah. So I guess kind of like, Maybe in our podcast, the running theme is tarps. But <laughs> <laughs> they had a they had a big tarp that was tied up to the building, and these strong winds came, went under, broke the ropes, and it exposed the legs of Quinion. No. Yeah. So. Oh my god. Yeah, he's just. The tarp just flew off and it was there and just, it's maddening. It's so maddening. So His not, poor family. Is, they haven't been through enough. So now I let's just. I cannot begin to imagine. Oh my God. 
add insult to injury. Just it's so frustrating. This whole thing has just been so mishandled. So it doesn't take long for pictures of Wimberly's legs hanging out, dangling off the sides to make its rounds on social media. Mm. People like naturally they're, they're getting pissed. They're, they're just tired of it. There are a lot of people that are upset and enraged that someone would circulate photos of that. And then there's others that are like, well, yeah, like it's January. Maybe we should circulate these so you can see like, what's not going on yeah i personally i think that the fact that that he's still there is a bigger concern than the photos i could see why someone would consider that tasteless but his family presumably lives there they already know right you know i like i get it when it's one of these things where it's a car accident or something and maybe it's something that that the families never would have had to have seen if people weren't circulating pictures but they already know And the fact that he's still in there is a travesty. So someone on Twitter, um, at Jules Bentley, recirculated the photo. It got a ton of retweets. Uh, It was captioned, Now we can all see how hashtag City of Yes treats workers. We let rich developers kill them and leave them to rot in open air. I mean, it it says it all. It really does. In an article on NOLA.com regarding the photo, it said that critics of Mayor Latoya Cantrell's administration and the building's developers say that the exposed legs are an emblem of the failure to prevent and then rectify the calamity that unfolded at the corner of Canal and North Rampart Streets. What is the reasoning? Why are, why are they saying that these people are still there? It's basically too dangerous We'll get into it a little bit, too. There's a back and forth. They say they can't recover him, recover it because it's a safety issue. I mean, I um, sort of get that. But what's their eventual plan? Well, we will get to that. Okay, real I'll shut up. No, you're fine. You're <laughs> fine. I love it. So Mayor Latoya Kentrell, she's a, no nonsense at all. She, I personally don't think she has a lot of bedside manner, but sometimes, you know, that it works. I guess if you're in office, but um, they released a statement condemning the sharing of the photos on social media. It basically read a tarp put in place to conceal the remains of one of the victims of the hard rock collapse has been shifted by the wind, potentially exposing those remains. The condition of the building and the altitude above the street level complicate efforts to replace the tarp as they have prevented recovery thus far. To be clear, Capturing or sharing images of victims in such a condition is irresponsible, it is indefensible, and it is not who we are as New Orleans. Out of respect to the victims and their families and in the name of basic common decency, we urge news outlets, residents, and social media users to have nothing to do with making a tragic situation needlessly worse. Oh, come on. (laughs) Yeah, it's like blah, blah, blah. Within a day or two, the the tarp was back up. It's just another Band-Aid. This is January, mind you. They're still in there. The problem of someone sharing a picture of the horrible thing you've done is certainly not worse than the horrible thing you've done. Yeah, there's just... What way to deflect responsibility? This whole thing is deflect, deflect, deflect. Like, nobody... Nobody's taking accountability. It's just... It's just a big 
mess. I think that might be a theme of our podcast. Yep. If we need a new name, we'll just call it No One's Taking Accountability. (laughs) Yep. And shortcuts. Shortcuts all day. Mm Mm-hmm. So on the heels of the TARP outrage, Hard Rock International released a letter to Mayor Contrell blasting her for the lack of response to the collapse and the dragging of their brand. So, I mean, good for them, but also like, eh. Yeah. It's your brand. Like, get over it. You, We got two victims in a building not recovered. No one gives a shit about what your brand looks like. No, not even a little. So I've got the letter here. I'll just read it to you real quick. So it says, Dear Mayor Mayor Cantrell, as we have shared privately and publicly, we appreciate the leadership and compassion you have uh, demonstrated. But four months have passed since the building at 1031 Canal Street collapsed. Uh, The resulting tragedy has devastated our community, its residents, and tarnished its image around the world. We are now seeking all legal recourse due to the reputation damage to our name, especially as it relates to the boycott Hard Rock movement that is taking place this evening at the Hard Rock Cafe New Orleans. Um, New Orleans cannot be known as a city that ignores the plight of its people and those suffering as a result of its disaster. We appreciate the difficult situation caused by the collapse. We understand what Chief McConnell and his team and other experts have reported about the instability of the structure. Still, we remain puzzled and frustrated frustrated at the length of time it's taken to recover the remains of either of the victims and to finalize plans for demolishing the building. As you are aware, Hard Rock is not involved in the construction of 1031 Canal Street building. As concerned community partner, we stand with the people of New Orleans in asking for answers on the demolition timeline. Most importantly, we remain hopeful for the recovery of the last two victims, of the collapse and the return of their loved ones. Be assured, Hard Rock is committed to New Orleans and its people and stands ready to appropriately assist in helping our community recover from tragedy. And that's from the Chief Operating Officer, John Lucas. Hmm, what do you think about that? Um, Until they started worrying about what it looked like for them. Yeah, that's a bad look. Like, I get, like, you're not involved. You know, you're basically slapping your name on a building that developers made, but maybe it's tone deaf for sure. Tarps collapses and tone tone deaf PR releases is the theme of our podcast. Oh, it's so gross, right? Yeah. Wow. Our no-nonsense mayor, that pissed her off. And they basically wrote a statement just saying, fear of damage to their brand has finally prompted Hard Rock's corporate leadership to engage with the crisis Four full months after the tragedy. Well, that's concise and accurate. Mm, Yep. Shame would be far more appropriate. The city and our public safety personnel have been working tirelessly to address the crisis and demand that the owners of the property bring the collapsed site down safely. PR stunts like this letter are not helpful in that regard. And they are all the hard rock corporate leadership has offered to the city four months in. Wow. That's they true. pissed her off. Yeah, yeah. She's not having it. No, not at all. So remember I was telling you they were like pushing this hotel up because mm-hmm. they wanted to get ready for Mardi Gras. So now we're like late February, early March. Mardi Gras is coming. It's the biggest thing. You know, people are throwing beads. There's floats. There's drinking. It's family, food. I mean, it's it's 
pretty spectacular. If you have an experience, like I recommend it to absolutely everyone. Um, I never realized when I first uh, heard about Mardi Gras, I thought it was like Bourbon Street, boobs, all that <laughs> stuff. But it's actually, that's like a tiny blip. There's so much more. It's actually really big family and community time. Really beautiful. That's really cool. I read a book about the uh, the cruise and stuff once. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, super interesting. Um, well, there. Are, speaking of cruise, um, there are two crews that normally would pass right where that collapse was, um, and they basically had to alter their traditional routes to avoid the site. Um, the most recognized procession in all the carnival is the century-old Zulu. They toss out those hand-decorated coconuts that everyone just, they go bananas over. And then the Endymion crew. In a weird twist of tragic events, Endymion, they actually had the second death during Mardi Gras of someone that got caught between tandem floats, which is basically two, two floats that are, you know, connected and he got caught in between. Oh, and no. Yeah, it was scary. It was second time. I think it was like the next night. There was one and then the Endium um, was the second, which basically had the mayor say, no more tandem fl- floats for the rest of Mardi Gras. Like, it's not happening. Um, so, yeah. But it was real crazy because it's such a vibrant part of the community and such a big deal but there's these photos where it's colorful and people are happy and they're partying and they're drinking and then there's this backdrop of the collapsed hotel man pushing that forward for marty Gras sure backfired it's super grim and it's just like you just can't get away from it although you you have to assume that maybe they really can't get it down safely or get to the body safely because i can't I can't help but think that if there was any way to have that gone before Mardi Gras, they would have done it. Probably. Well, the thing is, is there's a lot of fighting and there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of you do this. It's your fault. The blame game. Of course. You know. So let's talk about demolition a little bit. So the city and developers, I mean, they were butting heads on how to demolish this thing. Um, they were essentially arguing on which contractor should assume the job and which method the demolition should be done. The city actually preferred an implosion, but the developers wanted to the collapsed hotel to be taken apart by a traditional piece-by-piece piece demolition. Oh, wow. Yeah, so the de- developer pushed back because insurance needed for the implosion would either be astronomical or they possibly wouldn't even be approved for it with the implosion. But the city was adamant and they were just like, it's too risky to forgo implosion and that the developers just needed to put up the money for both the insurance and the implosion and be done with it. So Ramsey Green, the deputy chief administrative officer for infrastructure for American Trail said, This is complex. It's a complex project to ensure, but the city has very clearly held the line in making sure that the developer pays for this and that the ending plan for the project is safe. No more people need to be badly hurt or killed in this project in order to take it down. So they're clearly fed up with how drawn out these negotiations are with the developer. So in blight proceedings, the city starts charging the developers of 1031 Canal 
basically seventy over seventy five hundred dollars, and said that they would charge them pretty much the same much same amount each day if the issues were not remediated within thirty days. Like if they could not fix it, they're just going to charge them every day. Wow! Because because of the urban decay, like it's just it needs to be fixed. That lit a fire, I guess, because shortly after um, City of New Orleans and 1031 Canal Street development, they reached an agreement and a permit um, to demolish the 18-story building piece by piece was issued. So essentially, the, the developers developers got their way. They're going to, they said they're going to, and this is all new This within the last week. So they get to take it down piece by piece. Oh my God, you really picked a fresh one. I know. So they're going to basically start with the removal of cranes. They initially, um, at the beginning of uh, the collapse, were worried about the cranes and try to uh, demo those. Um, It didn't turn out quite had they hoped. So they're going to take care of those first and then um, followed by getting out um, the two victims. They said that they think they'll be able to get that out uh, within 30 days. And then hopefully demolition will be completed by the fall of 2020. So all the cranes and machinery and everything are still just hanging out there? Yep. Still oh, hanging that's, out. That's spooky. It's 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 scary. But here's another snack in demo. Uh, the next step before demolition can begin lingers on the approval from the city's historic district landmarks commission to knock down three nearby buildings in the debris zone two of which considered are historically significant. A piano retailer was at 1019 Canal in the 19th century, and the No Name Theater opened in the early 1900s. The Alamo Theater opened next door at 1027 Canal in 1908, and Rubenstein's department store would follow later. So the basically they're saying like the demo of these three buildings, two of them which are historical, would allow cranes to safely move in and out for demolition. Well, fair enough. Yeah. But here's the interesting part. Uh, the developers that own 1031, they own those three buildings. No. So the group that was initially opposed to the hard rock being built there anyways, because they were like, the scale is just out of proportion yeah. with the neighboring French Quarter. Like I said, it wasn't the most attractive building either. Um, they worried that basically 1031 Canal development would come back with bigger plans after demolition. So the, sorry, the executive director of this neighborhood group, Erin uh, Holmes, she basically said she wants to see the damage framework brought down as quickly and safely as possible, but her group's concern is that the developers could end up building an even larger hotel. And the groups, she, so she said, the removal of the three additional structures that are proposed for demolition actually increased the footprint by 54%, which means they could profit from a horrific tragedy. Oh my god, that is some super villain shit. I hate that. <laughs> you hate it, right? It's like, it's it's gross. Like, and you can kind of see why they were pushing so much. Uh huh. That's a way it, it feels icky. It just That's feels disgusting. super icky. Yeah, it's just money, man. So yeah, I mean, obviously the demolition stage is super fluid right now. Um, that's that's like 
the last update I have, like, for this recording. So that's where we're at right now with the collapse of the Hard Rock Hotel in New Orleans. I hope to be able to come back, you know, eventually, sooner than later, and let you know that it's gone and victims' bodies have been recovered and laid to rest. It's just I can't get over the thing with the developers at the end. That that's a that's a plot twist right there. Yeah, it's it's really gross. Any way you spin it, I don't know. Like it just it's twenty twenty. I feel like there's a ways around it. What if you didn't own it? Are you gonna buy those people out? Like it just seems it just seems fishy. Yeah. Oh absolutely. Absolutely. People people are not gonna they're not going to deal with it if they end up building something bigger there. No, they're not. And, you know, it's so hard because it really, the collapse really consumed the city. And there was such outrage for so long. And then, you know, obviously COVID-19 came, which Mardi Gras was an incubator for it, which is why it accelerated so fast here. And, you know, it kind of just got shuffled down you know yeah you just didn't hear about it and that was one of the big motivations you know when we decided to start this I was like somebody fucking needs to talk about this oh absolutely because I hadn't heard a word about it not a word well there you go you know now that was incredible horrifying but you did great thank you wow I just hope there's some sort of resolution yeah. Fuck them. Those developers. I hate them. Yeah, me too. That's Leave my the French take. Quarter alone. Yeah, seriously. Relax. Have a beignet. Stop being so modern. Oh, I want a beignet. Oh, they're so good. All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up. All right. Well, hopefully we will be back with an update on uh, the building collapse situation and maybe my ghost cat situation yeah i can't (laughs) wait to hear your story next week hopefully it doesn't turn into a disaster and we have to do an episode about it uh that's what it's supposed to be about disasters (laughs) all Uh, right brianne i'll talk to you next week i'll talk to you next week hope you enjoyed today's episode if you want to support us further you can find us at patreon.com slash mark safe podcast there's a bunch of goodies on there including shout outs final stickers and bonus content you can also catch us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Mark Safe Podcast. Huge thanks to Joshua Hooper for our amazing podcast cover art, and also to Dusty Bow and Brandon for our incredible music intro. And thank you, our listeners, for sharing and subscribing. We hope you stay safe. See you later, my friends.